Welcome into the Power Alley. If you're familiar with the podcast, I'm your host, Pat Malacaro. It might be hard to believe as the snow continues to fall here in western New York, but we have crossed another milestone in the offseason of 2022 as we're less than two months away from opening day at Salem Field when the Buffalo Bisons will welcome the Iowa Cubs for a 105 first pitch on April the 5th. It'll be a great day at Salem Field, and we have some news to share with you from the offseason. As just this past week, minor league baseball making an adjustment to the schedule. We'll have that for you later here in the Power Alley, but first, we'll catch up with Tyler Zickel. Last season, he served as the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canadians and is set to join the team once again this season. If you joined us on Friday afternoons in our weekly Around the Nest segments that was hosted by Tyler and various others in the Blue Jays affiliation, you may know that the Canadians, much like the parent club Blue Jays, were displaced due to travel restrictions last season. Unlike the Blue Jays, the Canadians spent the entire 2021 season playing away from Vancouver as part of the new AAA West division in high A ball. The Canadians spent the year here in the United States calling Hillsboro home and as a result, spending the season entirely here in the States, but are thankfully getting set to call Nat Bailey Stadium home in 2022. And I had a chance to catch up with Tyler talking to him not only about his time in Vancouver last year, but previous to that, spent time working with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats as one of their radio voices, as well as a master of ceremonies for their in-house promotions as well. Let's listen to that chat here in the Power Alley. Thanks for taking some time to join us today. Uh, a couple of time zones away. First of all, you know, how is the offseason going for you and, and how has you know, th- this winter of 2021 into 2022 gone so far? Well, first of all, Pat, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, not just to see you in the box, but to hear your dulcet tones and catch up like we do during the season every week. And it's been great. I'm coming to you live from a PE office. I am a substitute teacher in the off season and I'm a long-term PE sub. Quick shout out to Llewelling Elementary School down here in the Portland area where I've been staying since the season came to an end. An unprecedented season for the seas, of course, playing out of Hillsboro. And so certainly great to do something that's baseball adjacent. We're working on a basketball lesson these next couple of weeks. So Mr. Z, as the kids know me, showing them my jump shot skills. And uh, maybe I'll reveal my alter ego as the voice of the Canadians a little bit later in my tenure here before moving up to Vancouver in March. Uh, Looking forward to chatting with you about what's come in a a few minutes, Mr. Z. But, you know, look back at at what the, the journey has been the last couple of years I know you're, you're a West Coaster uh, to begin with, so being out in Portland now isn't anything uh, unfamiliar to you. So if, for folks that maybe uh, haven't been able to chance to catch Fisher Cap broadcasts in the past or Canadians games this past year, you know, how did you get into working in the Blue Jays organization in, in recent years? Yeah, you know, really as cliche as it is, you know, luck is preparation plus opportunity, so they say. And so I started my MILB career with the Lake Elsinore Storm, which worked out great for me growing up in San Diego. I went to college in Los Angeles, Richard Nixon's alma mater, actually, Whittier College. I'm a former Whittier College poet. And then I got an internship in media relations with the Storm in 2014. That was something that I kind of fell into. Somebody was already in that spot. But then from there, they decided they didn't want to continue. So I had a buddy who I went to college with. He reached out and said that they needed somebody to fill that spot within a week. I was nearby 
ended up there and three years later had advanced all the way to the director of digital content, started broadcasting under the tutelage of the great Sean McCall, who was the voice of the storm for a quarter of a century and still one of my dearest friends and somebody that I count as my mentor in this business and in life. And so some opportunities that he gave me that I wouldn't have found with other teams maybe we're somebody who was a younger broadcaster or still trying to get their reps in the business. Whereas with Sean, fully established, well-regarded, and he was very generous with his time as well as with innings. And so it started as Zick in the sixth and it became three innings in the middle of games on the road. It's a commuter league in the league formerly known as the Cal League. So that's how I got to drive to games myself. And then when Sean needed to be absent, whether it was for a family vacation or other family emergencies, I was able to be the fill-in broadcaster. And that's how I started doing full games. Then I knew this isn't the way it's gonna be able to go for a long time if I wanna advance, if I wanna get better. So that's how I found an opportunity with the Fisher Cats in New Hampshire, Tyler Murray looking for somebody to be his number two. I got lucky to go out there. Tyler, as you and I both know, an incredible broadcaster and an even better person. And so I've been lucky in both of my first two teams paired up with two guys who don't even have the slightest bit of an ego and gave me all the opportunities, all of the time to prepare and also low stakes to make mistakes and be able to really learn on the job, get those reps that you need to get to the level of being the guy, which we're both lucky to be now. And so I was in Port the Portland area working after the pandemic. Well, we're in the midst of the pandemic still, but after the, uh, the big quarantine in 2020, I got furloughed by the Fisher Cats after the season was canceled, moved west to figure things out like a vision quest almost. Thought I'd get into sales, but obviously that's a slippery slope and realized it wasn't for me. And long story short, or longish story, a little bit shorter, Andy Dunn reached out because my name was put forward by somebody he knew from my time in the Cal League. And one thing led to another and my proximity once again became really the source of my good fortune to become the broadcaster for the Canadians. And that's all, that's how we got to the 2021 season. And staying in the family, so to speak, in the Blue Jays organization. And, you know, I think back to when you know, Jesse Goldberg, Strassler, and, the, and prior to 2020, the way the affiliation in minor leagues was set up and how we all, every Friday, we'd all get together, we'd all talk, exchange maybe info on players and, you know, what's new with our teams. And, how that can really help in a situation where, look, we didn't know who would be affiliated with necessarily who, and there were reports that the Canadians at one point may have been uh, in talks with a team like Oakland uh, to be part of their affiliation, but the Blue Jays uh, remain the, the the main main affiliate for for the for the Canadians. Uh, the team couldn't play in Vancouver last year, so you know it feels like all these things that the universe kind of aligned in. in and you're the perfect person to, to fill into that at that spot and, and fill that role. You're so right, Pat. I, I am a big believer in the idea that there are so many things outside of our control, but the way we can influence those things is how we perceive them. Of course, perspective being everybody's reality. And time and time again, in my professional and my personal life, I've come to realize if, again, to borrow another tired cliche, if you just trust the process, it's all going to come together. And I really couldn't have imagined after getting furloughed by the Fisher Cats in 2020, after three incredible seasons, and certainly had 2020 happened, we wouldn't be having this conversation in this capacity right now, because there's a very good chance I could still be with the Cats. I'd established something terrific there, working with Tyler Murray, a couple of others on the staff. We really gelled, and it was more than just a professional relationship, but to this day, still one of my best friends, Tyler Murray is. And luckily, 
it all kind of fell into place. Uh, I decided to try something different, like I was saying, and by being not just back in baseball, but to be in the Blue Jays organization for four seasons and counting this next one, 2022 being my fifth, huge. And again, nothing that I necessarily designed, but the grand design of the universe, capital T, capital U, turned out very much in my favor. And so to be able to ha have that thread between Bo and Kevin and Vlad in 2018, and then all the way up to 2021, I'm watching CJ Van Eyck make his professional debut, Spencer Horwitz having a season for the ages, other guys emerging out of, I don't want to say the dustbin, but guys who were no names suddenly becoming maybe not top 30 prospects, according to MLB.com, but guys who could pitch in the bigs this year or next, establishing themselves in the 2021 season. And so not just getting to watch those players play, but the relationships off the field. John Schneider was the manager in New Hampshire in 2018. Donnie Murphy was our hitting coach in 2019 in New Hampshire. He's now the skipper for the Canadians in 2021. So already that rapport was established just by luck for me. And so being able to be in the Blue Jays system has not only been great to keep that continuity for me, but to continually be reminded year in and year out how classy of an organization the Blue Jays are, how great of an operation that they run. And I feel really lucky. And I think, Pat, you might share that feeling to be a part of this business and specifically to be associated with the Blue Jays and the way the organization is going right now to the top. You can tell. Well, there's no doubt about it. And, and you, know, you talk about Tyler Murray and, and what he has been able to, to do in New Hampshire and, and the relationship you guys had. And I feel like that's something... I'll go back to again on, on our around the nest conversations we have every week, and which you were the host of last year after the, the changes in the affiliation. And not every organization has that. And I think that is what makes our relationship as broadcasters within the Blue Jays system even that much more unique in how we'll share information, but we're just out having a conversation every Friday. It's just four guys talking baseball, and not everyone has that. You're so right. And I think that authenticity, authenticity rather, really comes through. It's four authentic guys. And of course, Leo working his magic behind the scenes for Around the Nest. But that's indicative, not just of who we are as people, but each of the individual teams in the org. And as we were saying, really the overall overarching ethos of the Blue Jays trickles down through the entire system. And fingers crossed that some or all of us can get to spring training if there is one, but I won't say anything more because I'm thinking positive thoughts and be able to hopefully coalesce in person. But you're, those Friday chats on Around the Nest, my goodness, Pat, I really do love getting a chance to circle the wagons. It truly is inside baseball, but we have fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously, myself at the top of that list, sometimes to a fault. But you know what? At the end of the day, baseball for me is arguably the greatest narrative thread of my entire life and something that brings me as much joy as just about anything, save for my family and my loved ones. So to be able to share my unique passion and perspective and find like-minded souls like you and the rest of the Around the Nest crew certainly speaks volumes to what is possible in the game of baseball and why for me, it's the greatest game ever created. And as we take a look back, maybe at the 2021 season for a minute, uh, some folks might not know that AAA West, a six-team league that the Canadians are in now, they went from being a short season uh, post-draft uh, league to now being in a full season league. So, you know, those changes in the levels of, of baseball and adding the fact that much like the Blue Jays last year for much majority of the Blue Jays season, the Canadians couldn't play at home at all last year. So, 
you know, can you give folks an idea of what that was like uh, as the team, you know, spent the year, quote unquote, on the road? Certainly. Well, being able to have this dual experience of not only being at a new level, you jump up multiple classifications to high A, but as you mentioned, not being able to be not just in your home ballpark, not any old ballpark, but Nat Bailey Stadium in Vancouver, one of the finest minor league experiences you can find, not just in the U.S., but in Canada as well. So to be able to experience the excitement of going to a new level while the disappointment of not being able to play in that first season in high A in front of your home fans who are some of the best in all of baseball, major league, minor league, or otherwise. Certainly, it was a double-edged sword type of year. You saw at the beginning of the year, maybe there were some players who, in previous iterations of minor league systems, wouldn't quite have made it to high A just yet as part of their professional development. But then you saw guys rise to the challenge. Zach Cook, who started with Dunedin and finished with Vancouver, is a guy who immediately comes to mind, who seemed a little overmatched for the first week maybe two weeks, and then really figured it out and rose to that task to be able to become arguably an organizational all-star in the outfield based on his body of work. Eric Rivera being another guy who went hitless for 30 at-bats and then really turned it on and became a linchpin at the bottom of the order in the second half of the year for the season 2021. So some good, some bad, certainly felt the difference playing those home games in Hillsboro when sometimes there were less than 100 people there. And so as you know, as a broadcaster, the crowd, Mike, really took a hit at home games. And so it got to the point where I was looking forward to going to Eugene, going to Spokane, playing the hops as the visitors, because you get that good quality sound that everybody likes to hear on the radio. And so my selfish interests aside, I felt bad for the guys on the field because they didn't get that extra oomph, that extra mojo that you get from a home, uh, home field advantage. It's true. We saw that in real life. That home field advantage, certainly in baseball, is a very real thing because some of those one or two run deficits late where the Seas ended up losing by a score, those could easily have been turned around, feeding off 6,000 plus on any day of the week at any game time start, whether it's a 1 p.m. or a nooner at the net or at 7 p.m. That's going to make a big difference in 2022, and that's one of the biggest things I'm excited about. How was the fan experience for Canadians fans in Vancouver that wanted to follow along to the games last year, were they able to stay engaged with the way that whether it was your broadcasts or social media wise, they were able to keep up on the team? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. In my first season behind the mic for the seas, it was somewhat of a benefit because we had some people tuning in who might come to the games and not experience it on the radio the same way. But since there's no game to go to last year, the only way to access really was the radio. We weren't doing MILB TV for home games because everything comes down to staffing. And obviously there are more important things to staff than four camera people, a producer, et cetera, to be able to put that out online. And so it definitely led to a slight bump in the radio listening audience, but it also really exposed to me in my first time or my first season with the C's just how much Canadians fans care about their team. It was as if a loved one had not been able to make their annual Christmas visit and to be able to spend the week over the holidays together. That really, and we all got to experience that in sports and without sports because of the pandemic. So really it was an immediate lesson for me in just how much Canadians baseball means to the city of Vancouver and the greater lower mainland. And to be honest, across all of the province. You know, as you mentioned that, I just think about a lot of the players in AAA last year 
There was an adjustment period at the start, but guys didn't take it for granted. I think you guys like Christian Cologne, Dilson Herrera was on the team for, for a majority of the season. Guys that maybe didn't have a job going into 2021. They had been big leaguers. And there are other guys that maybe didn't have a job in 2020 because they weren't in an alt site or able to find an independent team. And just what that meant to players to be back on the field last year, what it meant to, to you and I to be back in the broadcast booth last year and how it just kind of felt different last season, didn't it? Where it didn't feel like just a normal season. People didn't, you know, they didn't complain as much, so to speak. They didn't, they didn't let the small things kind of get in the way of, of the bigger picture of we're back at the ballpark again. We all got a healthy dose of perspective and we were all reminded of the power of gratitude and what we get to do all summer long, whether it's in a broadcaster's role or anybody working for a minor league baseball team, whether they're in the front office or a game day staffer, I think by missing out in 2020, those of us who are all in, which is most of us, people who have committed their life to this, this is my life's work. That's how I view baseball, whether it's minor league or fingers crossed down the road, major league one day. But the game of baseball for me, I fully decided after missing out on 2020 and thinking I was going to do anything else. This is my life's work. I was ready to be the hops clubhouse manager before Andy Dunn came calling. So for me, whether it's washing jocks or describing a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth, it's all about the game of baseball. And we all got to see how much this game and this business means to us. And it's so much more than just the game on the field. It's the relationships that we build. It's the fans coming to the game, getting to see an experience after missing out on a year of it. You could feel almost a cathartic release, a pent-up energy that had been building since the final out of the 2019 season until opening day 2021 and then all summer long, truly for me, probably my most memorable season based on all of the factors involved. Yes, the 2018 New Hampshire Fisher Cats are arguably going to go down as the best team that I ever worked for. I've got a ring to prove it. Most of those guys are in the big leagues, whether it's with the Blue Jays or otherwise. But 2021, a special year in its own right that almost deserves its uh, monument of heroes in my memory bank. And as you're talking, I just think about how, to me, Major League Baseball has tried to adopt a lot of what minor league baseball does. And the, the grassroots feel of baseball and whether it's the, the lower levels uh, of baseball, whether it's triple A, double A, and how the community comes together for, for teams and for, for the sport and how the majors, it was always about the game on the field and it should be about wins, losses and all that, but having fun at the ballpark is such a big uh, portion of why we go to games, why we work in sports. And tell me if I'm wrong, but I really feel like the majors is finally starting to uh, take on a lot of that, that the minors really um, found, you know, found the niche for. Absolutely. And I think minor league baseball has been doing for so long, so well, creating not just a great place to come watch a ball game, but an entertainment experience. And that's will be the first thing the executives at minor league baseball tell you as well. It's more than just what happens on the field between the white lines. And I think there's a stat that gets thrown around 60% of fans leaving any given minor league baseball stadium after a game don't necessarily know what the final score was. Now, whether or not that fact is correct, I think it is indicative of a greater sense 
of community, of coming together around a shared experience, but then getting things different. So what could be great for you, Pat, might be different for me. Someone could go for the food. Someone could go for the on-field hijinks in between innings. I got to be a very big part of that in New Hampshire as the director of promotions and entertainment, a Clark Kent Superman experience between my on-field MC role, dressing up in costume, and then being the erudite broadcaster on the road. Though I'm not sure erudite would ever be the word that anybody would use to describe Tyler Zickles. So I feel so blessed to be able to have gotten both sides of that minor league baseball coin. And I do think, especially now, and coming out of this eventual agreement that the MLBPA and Major League Baseball are going to come to, the realization is we can't be in our ivory towers of baseball anymore. We've got to make this game accessible. We have to invite new fans in, and we have to find other ways to make this product, because as much as I hate to say it, it's a business and a product that much more palatable for more people. And Major League Baseball, we know it's like a monolith. It's very slow moving. moving. It's a glacier of sorts in the professional sports landscape. But I think now more than ever, the executives at MLB and at each of the individual 30 teams are starting to plug in and say, hey, we've got something really good going down in the minor leagues. It started with the contraction and the adjustments to the various levels, which is how, of course, the Canadians became a high A team. So we'll see how this flushes out as the years go on, but I'm supremely confident that we're all pulling on the same side of the road. And Tyler, when we started our discussion, you mentioned a few players that really played prominently into the Canadian season last year, and it goes beyond someone like Adam Klopfenstein, who I'm sure we'll be seeing uh, at the higher levels of minor league baseball soon. But can you give Bison fans just a taste of you know, what, what it was like on the field last year and some of the successes that Canadians had? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of guys who stood out to me, Spencer Horowitz really having the season to remember for the Seas, and he got a much-deserved promotion for the last week of the year to AA. This is a guy, after a quality spring, maybe starts hot in AA for a month and then could be with Buffalo by the time we get to May or June, depending on how things shake out. Have bat, we'll find a role for you, that's for sure. Spencer Horowitz setting a new league record with 28 consecutive games with a hit. Tanner Morris was terrific as well, more of an underrated type of guy, under the radar, that is, with his play. Not going to smash balls out of the ballpark, not going to make electric plays in the infield, but a guy who could play third, short, and second, who didn't go for the last half of the season, did not go more than two games without getting on base, so consistent, was a league leader in walks, and plays really good infield defense, along with Spencer Horwitz as well. Uh, mentioned Zach Cook, who was a surprise, not anybody who kind of expected Zach uh, to, to make the impact that he did, but he became that go-to guy for the Seas over the last six weeks of the year in that time when most guys are starting to feel that effect of their first full pro campaign, which it was for Zach. And then on the mound, you mentioned Adam Klopfenstein, so much potential still. You look at the numbers, they don't tell the whole story. If you asked Adam, he would certainly tell you, I wish my ERA was lower. I wish my whip was lower. I wish that my opponent batting average against had come down but you saw the flashes of brilliance that made him a second rounder, I believe, out of Magnolia High School in Texas. Same high school as Jordan Groshans. They were high school teammates, and that potentially flushed out for the Bisons if Clough continues his ascension and works on some of the things that he figured out in the last half of the year and Groshans stays health healthy. Those two guys could be reunited in a Bisons uniform this year or next. And then I think about somebody making his pro debut, like C.J. Van Eyck out of Florida State, didn't make it out of the first inning in his first game in Tri-City all the way back in May, whenever that was. Feels like a lifetime ago at this point. 
but really found it and was terrific for his last four starts before an injury sidelined him because, again, the workload after missing out on 2020, that was a big thing from the big leagues on down. I think we all realized in the business or outside of the business, injuries were quite up this year. And so I'm excited to see what CJ can do when he's fully healthy. And then two bullpen guys really impressed. Adrian Hernandez with a big league ready changeup that could get big league hitters out right now. And then Brandon Iser, who was from Aloha High School, 15 minutes away from Hillsboro, where we were playing our games and got louder cheers than anybody when we'd introduce him. We'd hit, say, Beaverton's own Brandon Iser, crafty lefty, not going to overpower guys, but hits his spots and got that promotion to double A as well. So lots of exciting guys coming up towards the upper minors. It's that bottleneck, of course, once you get to double A and triple A, you know better than most, Pat, but after what I would argue was a really exciting bison season in 2021, more excitement is in the hopper coming up real soon. And as you're mentioning some of those names, you talked about Tanner Morris being you know, postseason all-star in the league last year and his versatility. And that's one thing that struck me and you saw it before they made it to, to AAA, but uh, whether it was guys like Colin large, uh, Logan Warmoth, who was an infield, uh, infielder converted to the outfield, it's an organizational philosophy. We don't necessarily need a guy to be married to one position. We don't need to play all eight in the field, but you know, do we have guys in the organization that can play multiple spots because we may not need him at position a, we may have more of a need at position B and the blue Jays continue to find players like Morris and Spencer Horowitz. Another example that can do that and be successful at it. Absolutely. And it seems to be not just a philosophy for guys who might not have one specific position that stands out, but even a top prospect like Aurelvis Martinez, yes, profiles as a shortstop, but he saw reps at third base over his short tenure with the Canadians once he got called up from Dunedin. They're thinking about guys like Phil Clark out of Vanderbilt, who was basically every other game playing first base when he was drafted as a catcher. Ryan Gold being the same, somebody who earned a promotion to double A halfway through the season. So you see that versatility really starting to come into effect earlier and earlier. And it does seem as though it's an organizational philosophy to get these guys as flexible as possible, as early as possible, so that when they get to the big leagues, really... Charlie Montoyo and the rest of his staff can plug and play. And you can put guys at multiple positions. And if they're swinging a hot bat, but somebody in right field, their normal position is also hot at the dish. Well, now he can play third. He can go play left. Obviously he could DH. So the more flexibility, the better. And as we alluded to earlier in our conversation, talking about the shifting perspective of major league baseball towards the game and the entertainment aspect of bringing more people into the ballpark each night, well, I think there's also, as we've seen with uh, advanced metrics, as well as the shift and things like that, these new technologies and these new philosophies creeping into the game, it starts at a human level. And I think that's where you get a lot of the pushback for some of this new stuff. But if we can be flexible as human beings and try and involve, evolve as players, then I think it's going to fit nicely with a good blending of the old and the new, which makes baseball so intriguing. And Tyler's, we're now in 2022 and getting ready for another baseball season. You mentioned earlier, you're heading to Vancouver this year. So uh, congratulations on year number two with the Canadians. And how much are you looking forward to being in Napa Valley Stadium and just being in Vancouver in, in that atmosphere uh, this coming summer? 
I'm having goosebumps sitting here talking to you about it. That's how excited I am for April 19th, our home opener, when that will be not just the spot to be in the city, but I'd argue in North America and West Coast, anywhere between uh, the, like Baja California and the most northern part of the province in British Columbia, you will want to be in Vancouver on April 19th. The season does start a week before that in Spokane or about 10 days before that, so there'll be a little bit of a runway. The staff back at Nat Bailey while I'm on the road with the team will be making sure the ballpark is fully ready to go. Arguably, it's the Wrigley Field of minor league baseball in terms of what you get with history, but also with cleanliness and modernity when you need it and other things that are being added. There are new fan experiences coming this year, next year, and the season after that ownership and led by team president Andy Dunn, making sure that he's at the front lines of all of this with ownership and full support, really taking that Bailey to even the next level to match what has been over a decade of commitment from the fan base, making the Canadians one of the most well-attended teams, not just in formerly the Northwest League, but in all of minor league baseball. So the excitement for me personally is unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And when I get to go up there in March, it'll be my first time, not just at Nat Bailey, but my first time in the city of Vancouver. There'll be so many people that I've only texted or had a phone call with or emailed with that I'll finally get to see or not just in a little square box on the computer screen. So I'm excited for that from a human perspective, but just to get there, to get in the catbird seat at the very top of Nat Bailey Stadium and take it all in on the home opener on April 19th, that's another day and another series that I know that I'll remember for a long time. Well, I can speak from personal experience. I've been out to Vancouver a couple of times. You know me, I love hockey. It's a sport. You know, here in Buffalo, we, we come to embrace and uh, seeing the Canucks in action a couple of times. Going out to uh, the, the Olympic Cauldron is, is one of my favorite things. So I know you'll have no shortage of, of fun experiences out in Vancouver. So uh, I look forward to catching up with you and, and finding out just all those different places you go visit over this course of this year. It might have to be its own little weekly update somehow. Yeah. Like Zick experiences Vancouver. It's a working title. We'll, we'll keep we'll keep fleshing that out, keep workshopping that. But maybe we talk around the nest every week. Uh, what new thing in Vancouver I got to experience. But as a, a self-appointed traveler of the world, I'm so excited to go to a new place, baseball or not. But then you add the baseball into it. And that, for me, is a dream come true. Well, Tyler, thanks for taking some time today for catching up. Look forward to for folks that um, you know want to follow along. What's the best way they can can follow along with yourself and the Canadians this coming season? Yeah, absolutely, CanadiansBaseball.com. That's the go-to for all the information. And of course, on Twitter, if you just search Canadians Baseball as well, you're going to find it. And everything is going to be easily accessible, especially in this day and age when our external brains are just a short distance from us at all times. But all that information is coming out, and in the next. I would say about three weeks or so, that's when us at the Seas are really going to turn up the dial in terms of the lead up to opening day, both on the road and at home. And so make sure you find us there. And then, of course, all the links for listening once we get closer to the baseball season, very accessible online as well. So I trust in everybody's ability to find us. But if you can't, CanadiansBaseball.com is the place to start. And from there, 2022, we are off and running. The countdown is officially on. Well, Mr. Z, thanks for some time today. Best of luck the rest of uh, the time in PE class uh, before you go to Vancouver as well. Thank you, Pat. You know, I'm going to teach these kids launch angle before I move to Vancouver. We'll work on it for now. Our thanks once again to Tyler for joining us here in the Power Alley. Always great to catch up with him. And don't forget, on Friday afternoons this coming season, you can hear our chats in Around the Nest. Always love to catch up with Tyler Zickel. 
Tyler Murray, and also our friends down at the Dunedin Blue Jays. I mentioned earlier on that minor league baseball made an announcement about the AAA regular season late last week. The regular season, once again, here in 2022, will be extended. Minor League Baseball announcing that there are six new games at the end of the season. The Buffalo Bisons will extend their final homestand of the year to include three dates against the Rochester Red Wings, culminating with the home finale in the regular season on Saturday, September the 24th. After an off day on Sunday, September 25th, the Bisons will play their final three games of the regular season in Scranton-Wilkesbury, taking on the Rail Riders September 26th, 27th, and 28th. This will be a 150-game schedule for AAA this year. The first time the Bisons will have played a 150-game schedule since the 1964 International League season in which the Herd went 80-69-1. and won. Yes, there was a tie in the 1964 season. You can check out the latest schedule and promotional news and information over at Bisons.com. Download the very latest schedule. We had that for you at our website, and you can check out all the great promotions we have on tap for 2022 as we inch our way closer towards the season. Look forward to bringing those to you. Catch up on all the latest news and notes, again, over at Bisons.com, or check our social media feeds on Twitter, Facebook as well. That'll do it for us here this week in the Power Alley. Look forward to chatting with you next time. I'm Pat Malacaro. Thanks for joining us.